Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. A thunderous welcome to you, wherever you are, whoever you are, around this, this world, this beautiful planet of ours. Uh, I'm going to start with the, the beginning of a poem called Build Now a Monument by Matthew Olsman. No longer satisfied by the way time slips through his life's work, the maker of hourglasses yearns for a change. He elects to construct a staircase instead. Rather than grains of sand, he'll manufacture one stair after another to lament every transient second. Look at it now. It rockets upwards, almost vertical, beginning in his backyard, puncturing the cloud cover, and everyone speculates where it will end. It will end where all ambitions end, in the ether where the body ceases and a story continues. Welcome, everybody. I'm with uh, Jack, Jack, Mac, Jack, Macindo TV. I'm with Abdul. I'm with Nigel. Absolutely glorious to have you have you with us, uh, uh, gents. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, Jack, Mac, um, we've got uh, questions. I'm going to start with, with a question from Twitter. Going to jump straight into it from, from Barry Dooley, uh, at Dooley Barry on Twitter. Uh, hi, Barry. Thank you very much for the question. And he asks... Uh, Jack, who do you think Virgil's centre-half partner will be for the majority of the season? And before you answer, let me just give you the minutes according to FB Ref for last season. So last season, Joel Matip was Virgil's preferred partner. Apparently, he, he started 31 Premier League games, 2,790 minutes. Then Ibrahima Konati, uh, 11 games that he started, 990 minutes. And uh, Joe Gomez only played 331 Premier League minutes. So do you expect a similar thing, Jack, moving forward? And who would you choose? Yeah, firstly, Owen, thank you very much for having me on the pod again. And it's great to speak to the lads. Everyone listen, we're having a good weekend. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd personally go with, we were speaking before we come on air, mate. I think it depends on, obviously, the opposition. We've seen Ibu play quite a lot of the European games. Um especially the high line in which Liverpool do adapt. But for me personally, um, I'd go with Joel Matip. I think when he's fit, on form, he is probably Liverpool's second best centre-half behind Virgil van Dijk. But Ibu Kanate done absolutely fantastic in the Champions League final and obviously the European games and, and, and obviously the Cup games as well. So it's great that we've got these options. But for me personally, I'd go with Joel Matip especially going, as we spoke about last year on the podcast, when you do play a, a, a low block and, and, and Matip, he's very adapted in terms of stepping into that midfield, mm. going on amazing Matip runs and everything. But for me personally, I'd go with Joel Matip, but um, closely followed by um, Ibu Kanazi behind him. Very interesting answer. Thank you very much. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, Abdul, uh, firstly, welcome back. Uh, tell us about about your summer, how your summer's been, and also what's your opinion on this? Who who do you think should partner Big Verge? 
I'm glad to be back. Like I said in the chat, you know, I had a little bit of an injury. You know, I had to work through it, but I'm now back and I'm ready to fire boss. So, you know, let me straight in the sign <laughs> lineup. Um, now nah, I've just been working this summer, to be honest. We're about to have this heat wave and I still haven't had a holiday. So hopefully you get to enjoy it over these next few days. Um, on the centre-back issue, I don't think I can disagree with Jack. I, I love Joel Matip. Always been one of his biggest fans. The injuries have always kind of derailed him from being that mainstay in the centre-back position. And we've had to sign quality to compensate for that. But I think we're now in a really good position at centre-back. Ibu Konate did amazingly well uh, last season when he was brought into the team for specific reasons. Um, and yeah, I would I would not. It's one of those ones where I literally whoever plays, I'm very happy with them. Even Joe Gomez, I think he's looked really good this preseason from what we've seen of him. Um, so yeah, I'm completely happy with either of them. But I think, yeah, I think probably Joel Matip, just to use his experience, just to use his um, ball-playing ability and... You know, like he's like Jack said, the, the low blocks I think might be an issue this season, especially when Darwin starts scoring bags of goals and teams just start dropping off against us. So I think maybe Joel Massett for me, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset with anybody else to be honest. A superb answer, and I do hope you get your holiday very soon. Um, excellent stuff. Um, uh, Alan in the chat, he says, Matip all day for me. Uh, uh, well, Gary, he says, Jomez, Joe Gomez, the title winning back for. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I agree with, with Abdul. I don't, I don't mind who we play. I mean, they're all absolutely brilliant. I'd probably go with Konate, though, because I think he needs, um, well, it depends on the game. I mean, you know, if if you've got like a, a, a truly world-class striker that we're playing against like Benzema in the Champions League final, I mean, how good was Konate in that Champions League final? He was utterly amazing. Um, but Nigel, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. A welcome back and up uh, kill Kelly for the hurling final today. Yeah, hopefully you can do it, but uh, we'll see. Um, I think it's, yeah, horses for courses. Simple as that. We play like... I don't think we've we've made an error. I, I not we. I don't think Jurgen Klopp has made an error in his selection choices. If he picks Konate, he plays well. If he picks Matip, he plays well. Like the two of them were fit, so they were both doing a good job when they were there. And he just dovetailed them perfectly. I think. I think it's that. That's the way to go. That's the way to go. You, you, he with his, when he when he picks a team, we should know by now. We go with that team. People will still give out, but don't think it matters. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great it's a great uh, it's a great answer as well. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter because they're all brilliant, absolutely, totally, totally. Okay, well, let's let's move on. Nigel, I'm going to stay stay with you for a moment because okay. um, it's, it's a question Abdul wanted to talk about actually. So I'll get Abdul's thoughts in a moment, but uh, I'm just going to go straight back to you, Nigel, about um, the the nonsense that people are people are writing. I mean, I think. About about Darwin Nunes and the, the fact that they're judging him already. I mean, I do think I do think football mirrors society, and I think that's a natural thing because it's people giving their opinion. Loads of people in society have an opinion. They they're all involved in football. Not all of them, but I mean, there are a lot of people involved in football across the entire world. And in society, I think you get. A percentage of idiots, uh, unfortunately. Um, they don't always know that they're an idiot. Apparently, 90% of people think that they're in the top 60% uh, uh, when it comes to intelligence, which is a, a, a kind of hilarious stat, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think you've got to be a bit stupid to be judging Darwin already, don't you, Nigel? Absolutely. 
he's like a South American speaking in uh, playing in Portugal, where he uh, and and he moves to England with a new set of players, a new system with lads he's never played with before. You could see it with uh, when uh, Thiago was talking to him and kind of basically translating and stuff like that. You got the Brazilians who probably be able to converse with him, but like the lad is. He's just barely turned 23. He's played 43 minutes. He's not fit. He's come straight back from a holiday with no training. He got blisters after his first training session. We had, like, the, the game we played against United, we had guys who had absolutely no minutes in their legs, including Darwin Nunes. And he's, he, like, you could see him in training. And he's trying to make runs and the little training pictures. And he's looking and looking and looking and not sure where to go. You can see it in his eyes. These guys, like, he needs time. He needs these training sessions. He needs these games. So, I don't think there's any problem. Yeah, I mean, Abdul, you're, I mean, you you want to talk about this? I think I think I think I'm going to bring you in on this. But it's a great point by Nigel about the uh, the runs he was making. There was a moment when he ran. Um, he was running through. He's playing off the shoulder. I like his movement against Crystal Palace. I liked it. Um, uh, he was playing off the shoulder of the last defender. And for example, there was one one thing where Trent played the ball behind him because. Nunes moved to the right and had Nunes moved to the left, it would have been a perfect through ball. These kind of things, they're going to take time. And, you know, it, it's the rest of the team is going to have to get used to him. I mean, Mo Salah as well um, almost slipped him through a couple of times. So I'm really excited about their link up going forward. But uh, Abdul, I mean, it is nonsense. I've stayed I've stayed away from Twitter um, a lot recently, which has been which is a really good idea. I recommend it. Uh, to anyone, but I mean, is, is it on Twitter that you saw this nonsense? What kind of nonsense have you been seeing, uh, Abdul? So yeah, to describe the nonsense, um, it's it's firstly started by rival fans. Um, so there's an account uh, on Twitter called uh, Touchline Fracas, and they they exist basically just to get people talking about things in football. So um, I think, if, to be fair, it was before Darwin even signed for Liverpool. There was a, a few big kind of tactical accounts. So these are accounts where people like put out their tactical opinions about football, but they always do it in a really like um, provocative way. They always take really um, out there opinions. And then if it, if it works out, then they look like a genius. If it doesn't work out, they delete the tweet and move on. Um, so a lot of accounts are talking about Darwin Nunez saying he doesn't have the technical capacity to be a top, top signing for a club. Clubs should be wary signing him. He's outperforming his XG. So there's already kind of an undercurrent around Darwin before Liverpool signed him. Then obviously Liverpool got very serious about him, spent a lot of money on him. And, you know, Liverpool fans were, I think, you know, they looked at it and they were like, you know what, we're kind of convinced. He's big, he's tall, he's strong, um, he's fast, he's a physical specimen. Started looking at the videos, yeah, he can play. But there's still a bit of like question marks around him from Liverpool fans. They were like, you know, he's not really like the most technically proficient striker, whatever. Fast forward to when he signed now, um, a lot of these rival fans are starting to make the comparison like, oh, he's the new Lukaku. Oh, he's a new Timo Werner. And then obviously on the basis of the 50 minutes that he's played for Liverpool so far over this last week, which has been <laughs> his first week for Liverpool as well, um, they've managed to compile clips of Darwin, you know, miss kicking a ball, he had that one chance against United, which went over the bar. I mean, that that, was, that one was easily explainable. That was, you know, Eric Bailly did very well to put him off and he doesn't really want to get an injury in his first match. So why is he going to fully commit to scoring that goal? It, it, was, it was, yeah. And then like, um, what, what else? I think he, a ball went through his legs when he tried a shot against Crystal Palace, but that was like a touch from the Crystal Palace player. 
But in general, yeah, he hasn't bagged a goal yet. And the rival fans have turned up the pressure to a million. And the Liverpool fans, there's this new breed of Liverpool fan on the internet who is very obsessed with having ammunition to win arguments on Twitter. And if they feel like there's an argument going against them on Twitter, they will very quickly just like, you know, uh, just, you know, write off the player themselves. And yeah, it's, it's probably a good time to not be on Twitter during the transfer period because all of these fans who are very young, in my opinion, um, they're mainly, you know, I don't want to say it, but like FIFA fans and they want to just basically win an argument on Twitter against rival fans. They have very quickly turned on Darwin. They started retweeting these comp, uh, these fail comps of Darwin and, Sorry, that's just a really long-winded explanation of the situation that we're in. Um, but yeah, it's all, no, it's, it's all great. It's all it's all stupid. It's all idiocy. But going on to what Darwin is as a player and why I'm so excited for him, I see Gary in the comments put Starwin, um, which I think is an excellent nickname because uh, I think he will be a star. I think Darwin on paper is literally just going to score buckets of goals for us. Um, whether he's actually playing as a centre-forward or whether he's going to play as a left-winger, um, I think the plan is immediately clear when we signed him and then Trent tweeted on the same day that we signed him, how may I assist you? He's literally just going to be a target <laughs> for goals. There's going to be a gravitational pull for goals and him. Basically, like Trent's going to whip the ball. He's just going to dominate the centre-back or he's going to dominate the right-back if he plays at the left wing. Um, like you said, Owen, he's already been showing the runs in behind that maybe I don't think we've had from any of our strikers in the recent past. Um, and actually, the one comparison I want to draw with Darwin and um, another player from years ago, to be fair, but with the player that we have in our team is uh, Timo Werner when he was at Leipzig. I think Timo Werner at Leipzig, um, yeah, uh, he built up this connection with Naby Keita where Naby Keita was just constantly feeding these through balls to him um, behind the line and he would get through and he'd calmly finish. And I've already seen that with Cater and Darwin. Cater's always trying to throw balls to him. They haven't come off yet, but I can see, like you said, Salah's trying it, Trent is trying it, Cater's trying it, Tiago's tried it with an over-the-top ball that I remember. So I think it's very clear that Darwin is just basically going to stretch defences and then whoever picks up the ball behind him uh, is going to either get an assist for him or you know, score a goal themselves. But basically, just adds a new dimension to our attack. And yeah, I think he's going to be a star and... Can't wait to see him actually score buckets of goals for us. Wonderful answer. Thank you very much. Gary says, uh, yeah, talking about Starwin, he says, I've been on the Starwin Express all this time. Beautiful, Gary. Excellent stuff. And, uh, yeah, talk about these these numbskulls, these nincompoops who, you know, I mean, it's it's been 50 minutes, 47 minutes on the pitch, and you can think of it uh, as he's almost scored about three or four goals, actually, in 47 minutes, which, which actually bodes well. Not that you can judge because it's still too early to judge, but... You know, the, the, the actual signs are, are extremely encouraging, I would say, uh, Jack. But, uh, you know, what, what do you think about the whole Darwin situation? I mean, it's, uh, it's uh, any, any criticism is just nonsense. Yeah, Abdul uh, and Adrian, you alluded to it, uh, Owen. It's anyone and everyone has got a mobile device right in front of them now. <laughs> um, I didn't get a mobile until I was about 10 or 12. <laughs> Kids get an iPad, flat screen TV to the age of six now. So they got that with Sky and Virgin Media as well, so spoiled. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it, it was quite disappointing. If, if people aren't on social media as well, there was a tweet from Nunez on his Instagram and Twitter 
Uh, and that for me, it's it's the modern day players. Now it's obviously not like in the seventies and eighties where you get the bus and you'd you bump into John Barnes or you, you you'd be bump into the players in a pub or something. The, the, the players are and quite rightly they're a bit more detached from the, the modern day fan now because Christ if if these players and uh, the the Twitter warriors met in person they wouldn't have the the cahoons really to actually say it to Virgil Van Dyke's face or a Nunes Nunes is about six foot three six foot he's a tall lad so I doubt all these Twitter warriors would say it into the face <laughs> um, but yeah it, it's It'll be the best way for Nunes, and I'm hoping he doesn't react and continue to just. And it was these people that bullied Nico Williams, they bullied Ginny Wijnaldum, they bullied Curtis the, Jones. Yeah, as well. it, yeah, it's the it's same. All, fools, yeah, they, isn't it, it all. It, they always need to moan about something. Well, we got to moan about. We've been to three European Cup finals. Yeah, we've only won one, but it's the whole point of we support football. We're in a like. And we're so blessed that we're going to cup finals and we're watching week in, week out. We've become spoiled, certain sections of our fan base. Uh, and that's that's what it's down to. Uh, and even if you win a game by like 3 4 nil, like, and yes, people have got opinions and you can be negative, but apparently people are now calling, and even I've been classed as being too positive. It's like, how is that even a thing? Yes, I'll criticise our team when we play bad, but I'm not going to go over the top to an extent of where it's like unjustified and you, you want to win battles on like with people around the world that you've probably not even met. It's like just log off, <laughs> go for a walk, <laughs> or watch the highlights or something. Yeah, but it's funny. I just laugh at it. I, I, as I said, Owen, uh, I do my YouTube. I made up to jump on podcast reviews today, gents as well. And I retweet me video link and then I log off Twitter. Because um, your I head would doing. roll off. It's madness. Yeah, it's it's a mad it's madness to see the the opinions that are out there. And you know, as as you know, as is mentioned, like the weirder the opinion, the more traction it gets because more people are like, what the hell is this? But anyway, yes, I mean, one of my favorite lines from, um, you know, a dear friend of mine's brother um, who said, you know, if Jesus came back from heaven and made the world a, a peaceful and joyful place everywhere, people would criticize his sandals. Uh, and that's, uh, I think that's very true. Um, let's move on. Um, uh, Nigel had a question about the World Cup, the World Cup, how it's going to affect uh, this season, um, and Nigel, you asked the question, but I'm just going to chuck it straight at you. Um, what do you think about the World Cup, how it's going to affect this season? Oh, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I don't like it. I don't like the World Cup in that time. Um, it's going to disrupt the season. Like, it might be all right for someone who's not playing, who's not going well. It, it gives them a bit of a reprieve. But if, if say, Say it's us, right? We start well. We're going well at the time. Next thing, this thing comes in and completely derails everything. You know, it's 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 like it's like COVID with crowds. You know, at the moment is what it's going to be. When we got the last time we played against Bournemouth, when we beat them two one before, or but actually Bournemouth and then Atletico Madrid, when the COVID thing came, and then two months or three months, whatever it was, three months I think, 
it, football just stopped. Well, this is going to be like a bit like that with football and crowds in a different country. It's just going to derail everything. Remember everything. Remember all the all the, the naysayers were saying. We're all talking about criticism there in the last one about players being criticised and stuff like that. Do you remember all the opposition fans going on about um, oh abandon the league? It's 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 no good anymore. You know that kind of crack. It's all aimed. This was all aimed at Liverpool fans. But I'm not, not just aiming this at Liverpool fans. I think this is bad. This is going to be bad for football. It's going to be bad in general. It's FIFA lining pockets. Simple as that. But but, but but it'll be bad because it'll interrupt the rhythm that every oh, yeah. team will, will build up in in the season. Is that yeah. right? Is the rhythm? It's about yeah, okay, okay. Well, or the yeah, momentum. It's, it's, you, it, yeah. uh-huh. it's not just it's not just the Premier League. It's all the leagues. Mm-hmm. Like in the in mid season, because it's all a big money racket over in Qatar, and they shouldn't have got the World Cup in the first place. Same as Russia the last time, money racket. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's it. I mean, you see, who knows what goes on in the upper echelons. Uh, of uh, you know the, these decisions, how many backhanders, how many envelopes stuffed with uh, with uh, McDonald's vouchers are left on on tables uh, for you know to pick up? Um, yeah, it's uh, who knows. But uh, yeah, the World Cup. Um, it's interesting to note that uh, the season there are sixteen Premier League games, as I mentioned in our last episode, sixteen Premier League games. Um, before it suddenly stops on the 12th of November. Liverpool's last game is against Southampton at home. And then suddenly it stops until the 26th of December. And the World Cup final is on the 18th of December. I think, Nigel, though, it will help Mo Salah because he's not playing, no? I mean, he can go to go and have a, have yeah. a nice break, no? And, and, and have so. other players not playing. Yeah, maybe so, but... I'm still, I'm sure Mo wouldn't want momentum being derailed like that and you have to go off and train on your own or whatever or stay with the club and train. I'm sure he'd like to keep playing. Um, just on, on that note there, you were saying 26th. Do games start again on the 26th or is that just... Yeah, they start they do? again, yeah. yeah oh, yeah, what yeah, a so, shock. So, the busiest so. time of the year. What a shock that is. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's I'm, it's I'm uh, Liverpool away to Villa on Boxing Day, and then okay. on the next game after that is New Year's Eve. Um, Time that well, Leicester, and then three days after there's Brentford against Liverpool. So okay. yeah, three games okay. in a week just after okay. the World Cup. Um, yeah. Fortunately, our, our English players will be home nice and early, Abdul, won't they? Because England will be rubbish <laughs> under Southgate. Um, what do you reckon about the World Cup? Uh yeah you uh yeah it's obviously an absolute farce uh the fact that we're in this position we're about to have this winter world cup everything that's gone on before um you know UEFA FIFA corrupt organizations the football's governance is corrupt so on one hand you gotta you gotta applaud maybe Mr Perez Mr Agnelli over at Real Madrid and uh Juventus for uh taking the initiative to try and shake up football with the Super League. Of course, that also has its own uh, money uh, incentivized uh, reasons. So, yeah, maybe maybe don't give them any credit. But yeah, football is just kind of, it's great. We love it. It's the world sport. But the governance of football is just an absolute mess. And um, who knows what is actually going to fix that problem? Because, yeah, it's starting to affect the fans. And uh, this, this World Cup in, a, in Qatar is a very clear symbol of that affecting the fans. Football-wise, I think Klopp said something interesting, which you guys have alluded to. I think that month period is going to be, it's going to make the season 
for, for one group of players, the most busy season they will ever play. And then for another group of players, it's actually going to be a pretty relaxed season with a massive break in between. Um, I think Liverpool have Salah not going. Um, Diaz isn't going, I know for sure. Yet Colombia um, haven't qualified. That's good for us, though, I think. Mm. And then who else is it? There's a few, obviously, players yeah. who don't make the England squad. Robbo, um, Robbo. Gomez, probably not. Mm. <coughs> um, Trent will probably be la- left on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, he's not good enough, is he, Jack? Yeah, I mean, no, definitely yeah. not good enough for the England team. <laughs> Bloody hell. Yeah. Uh, yeah um, so, so yeah. a lot, maybe some players in our squad won't go. Maybe they'll get a bit of a rest. Um, so maybe it could work in our favour because we are, you know, a very intense team. I, I do feel like I was so glad for this, uh, for the season to end last season because even I felt like wiped out. I felt like I needed a break. So um, the more breaks our players have, I'm, I'm all for that. But yeah, I mean, it'll be an, it'll be an interesting World Cup. And you know what? Talking about just the football of the World Cup, I really think it, it could be like the most entertaining World Cup we've had in ages. Um, I think we've got like five or six teams, the national teams, who uh, for various reasons have very, very strong teams. I think Argentina have never played better uh, than they play right now. And Messi is very much gunning for this World Cup could be his last chance to win it. Portugal have a very strong team, uh, as always, and they will be hard to beat at the very least. But then they also have talent like Bernardo Silva, Diogo Jota, um, you know, Bruno Fernandes, Ronaldo, all these top class players. Um, France have a top, top team, as always. You can't rule them out. Um, they will probably be in the final few stages. Germany have a top team. Maybe they haven't been so good over the last few years, but they will be there, I think. Belgium, Spain have a really exciting project coming through with Pedri and Gavi and Ferran Torres. Ansu Fati is now fit again. I think England, you know, if you want to look at the last few tournaments, I know we all want, we all we all love to hate on Southgate, but you know, there's been a clear progression in the results every single tournament. I think we became semi-finalists, finalists. Man. Now, I think England you know what are rubbish, man. England uh, are rubbish. England fans don't see it just how rubbish they are, but from the outside as as a non-England fan, you beat you know, Tunisia and, you know, rubbish teams like that to get to wherever you've got to in the past. Um, and, you know, like as soon as you come up against the uh, even a half-decent team like Croatia, you, you get, you, you lose. And, and, and there's no, you know, it's always been a problem. I'm not, uh, you know, judging you uh, unfairly. It's always been a problem for England fans is the blindness um, you know, I've supported Wales all my life. I know what rubbish is, and England are rubbish. Uh, sorry, sorry, just uh, my opinion. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, it could I think yeah, England over the last few tournaments they've gone for a really pragmatic approach, really defensive, not really giving boring as all hell. But go yeah, on. boring, but not giving the the players who like have clear talent the chance to play in the team and shine. So, yeah, your Trent's. And I also think Phil Foden got unjustly shafted from the England team in the last Euros. But also, you know what? We got to the final, so can't really blame uh, Southgate. It does work somehow. I don't know. Um, only I, works because I... you play Dross, Abdul. It only works because you play absolute numpties. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's, let's see what happens. I think the England team could change a lot between um, now and... The actual Qatar World Cup. I think Trent. I think Trent will start. I'm going to put my knocking on wood. I think he will start. I think Phil Foden will start. And if you get those two in the team, I think Harry Kane. If he carries on, I, you know what? This isn't an England podcast. No, we're Moving going to change England. the subject. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, a quick, just a quick aside. Yeah, go a on. Quick aside on, on on the England thing. 
Ramsey's team in 66 were called the wingless wonders. Ian Callaghan couldn't get in that team. They bored their way to the World Cup final and bored their way to winning the World Cup. So, so they've got history. That. Okay, yeah, it could exactly. be your year. Could be your year. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Um, there's some really good uh, points in the chat here. Um, Diego C. Palace, welcome. Um, he says some players will look to up their game to be selective for their national teams. And also some will look to save themselves for the World Cup. That's a really interesting idea. And also, uh, Diego says, um, the World Cup always brings up some players into the fold with the January transfer window around a corner. It may become more interesting. Um, and also, there will be some injured players returning. So that couple of very decent points there. What, Jack, what do you make of it, first of all, you know, about uh, players who will you know, perhaps look to save themselves in the build-up to the World Cup? Uh uh, or up, look to up their game in order to be selected. So if you look at the, the right-back question, I mean, England, mm. I mean, I don't really like England, but but I, I like good football, and, and they're absolutely blessed by having Reese James, uh, Kyle Walker and Trent. I mean, three absolutely world-class players. I'm not, there's no other way mm. around it. Of course, Trent's the best, but they're three world-class players. Um, so those kind of players, they might up their games. I don't know. What do you reckon, Jack? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at a different point in terms of great point by Diego there as well, which the South American players most important. I think we take for granted, especially European, as, as Europeans we are, the South Americans, like they live, believe international football. And you you have to have a look at a lot of those Brazilians. You got Gabriel Jesus going to Arsenal this summer, wanting to get in the Brazilian national side as well. Richarlison's moved to Spurs. Bobby will be wanting to get back into that team as well. So it's going to be interesting. It's a great point by Diogo in terms of the attitude and same players, not just for Liverpool, but for the rest of the Premier League. They'll be going in, it will be it will be in the back of their minds for like a good three, four, five weeks prior to obviously the, the World Cup starting. And the, the top elite managers will see that within like 10, week, 10 weeks before. And they'll make a make a statement in training. They won't do it on camera or not that, but club first before everything else. Um, but it's 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 one thing saying that to the South Americans. I was looking at the um the the I'm open England to get knocked out by Iran and USA and, and up to Wales as well. So fingers crossed. Um, but obviously Virgil Van Dijk, he's in a he's in group A with Senegal. So, yeah, we'll be looking at, and obviously Uruguay, they have got, they're in a, a group with, obviously, hopefully, either Portugal or Uruguay, or potentially both of them do get knocked out, for our sakes, Liverpool's sakes, anyway. Um, it'd be great if a, Liverpool, if a Liverpool player did win the World Cup, because obviously we did the great ex exploits of, obviously, Sadio Mane for the African Cup of Nations before he left to Bayern Munich. It was, it was, it's, it's great, and it's... It's it's a credit to the football club as well that we've got players of that ability that are playing on the world stage. And I think Ibu's just been recently called for the French national side. And it's quite obvious because he's probably one of France, France's best centre-halves at the minute. So, yeah, all of us will be crossing our toes and, and fingers and, and watching through our fingers. Hopefully, no one gets injured. And not just Liverpool, but a lot of the Premier League teams and all around Europe, we just... We all care about our uh, <laughs> our club teams, most importantly. But it, it, as as the lads have said, it will be interesting, especially if it could play a pivotal role. Especially if a team is like six nine points, <coughs> apologies, uh, behind someone in terms of first, 
and you've got like a Eric Laporte or a, like a Bernardo Silva or certain City players or Tottenham players. Um, but it, it will make the league inch. It could make it absolutely madness. It, it could open it up for someone in third or fourth to make a canter and, and have a run at the league, especially if the injuries do arise. But we'll we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, boys, won't we? So, <laughs> girls. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just it, it's crazy, absolutely crazy. But as Abdul said, corrupt, uh, corrupt FIFA, corrupt FA, corrupt. They're all corrupt and. You only have to see the two countries that are hosting the two biggest European competitions in world football. I'm all for football as a world sport, but football doesn't belong to the corrupt people running these organisations. Yeah, I mean, it's there's there's a lot of investigations to do by braver people than me who who won't mind their reputations being tarnished by the teams of of lawyers and journalists that are in on, in the on the payroll of these huge organizations but there you go as i said before football mirrors society and uh, the people running it are a bunch of tossers anyway the netherlands you mentioned injuries player welfare i hope all liverpool uh players get knocked out in the first round uh because i want them all to get to have a nice break um i don't want anyone any liverpool player to qualify for the second round i mean just look at the netherlands for example they're playing the very first match on the 21st of november um so just five days or whatever after the english premier league stops that's against senegal tough match and they've got three matches in eight days in their group stage so you know talk about overworking these people flogging the horses um, you know, um, but anyway, very interesting stuff. We're going to move on. Just uh, great, great points there by Diego, although he did ruin it at the end by saying Southgate, my ex-Palace Youth Academy player and first team captain will bring football back home. It's coming home. Diego, see Palace. You're welcome. You're very welcome to your opinion, but you are absolutely wrong. Um Let's move on. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, the next thing to talk about is they're back to Liverpool. OK, we're going to talk about the, the positives from pre-season. I mean, it's been uh, not very long, just a couple of matches. Obviously, the Man United match was, uh, I mean, irrelevant to, to lose 4-0, but it didn't, didn't, didn't feel particularly good, did it, Abdul? I mean, uh, but despite that, I think there were some... There were some real positives. The first positives that come to my mind, if I think about positives, are Naby Keita. I think he's looked really sharp. Uh, Luke Chambers has surprised me with his his quality. He looks like he could he could actually play a part this season, some kind of part. And uh, I don't know, Keita, Chambers, um, other positives. Uh, there are there are lots of them actually. Bajetic has looked decent. Fabio Carvalho. Uh, Carvalho, the yeah. yeah. There you go, the obvious one. Well, go on, Abdul. Talk about some of the, some of the positives from preseason for you so far. Yeah, um, the United match obviously wasn't amazing, but yeah, I watched a lot of it. Uh, I shouldn't have been watching. I should have been working at the time, but I had it up on the second screen. But um, I think, yeah, you, it's really interesting that you talked about Luke Chambers. I remember in the first twelve minutes of that match against United, both him and Isaac Mabaya looked so good, so good. I was just thinking, like, I've never watched Isaac Mabaya. The, he was playing right back. I was like, wow, like, uh, we've got another one. We've got another right back talent. He he had everything, pace, power, um, put in a couple of really teasing crosses. I was thinking, like, wow, what, what do we do at this academy that we're just producing fullbacks all the time? 
Luke Chambers was one who was um, singled out by Pep Linders at the end of last season, saying he wanted to see him at uh, this preseason. So I think he's also this summer, I think he won the under 19 Euros with England. I might be wrong. Uh, but I think Harvey Davis won it. He was in the squad. Um, Luke Chambers. Uh, who else? There's a third one. But basically, we had three kids. Oh, uh, Jarrell Kwanzaa. He hasn't joined us on preseason yet, but they won the under-19 Euros. So, yeah, another group of top, top talents. Harvey Elliott, as Gary is saying, was, has been, I think, the standout player in our preseason so far. He's looked really, really good, really sharp. He's played um, a couple of positions as well. Uh, he's played right wing uh, in the first match against United which was interesting because he doesn't usually play right wing for us. He's played this, you know, the right centre mid role, a bit more of an attacking midfielder in that position um, because obviously we've had Salah in the team. So when he came through last season, he's playing that right centre mid role and he hasn't really ever played right winger for us, apart from like maybe in FA Cup games a couple of seasons back. So it was really interesting in the second match when I saw him and Ox in the team, I thought, okay, I, Harvey's playing right wing again, two matches in a row. It's becoming a bit clearer that he's going to be Salah's deputy, if that's the case. And then he went and played midfield and Ox is the one who was playing in a front three. So again, just, you know, it's really, really good to see that we have this player in Harvey Elliott who can play multiple positions. Um, and he's just looking like he wants to grip the, the bull by its horns and um, maybe inspired by Fabio Carvalho joining the team. And he's just really trying to make that position his. But yeah, really, really good preseason from him so far. Tyler Morton, I think, has been one of my favourite players since he broke through the team. I remember last preseason, there's a video clip. There was like a player in the middle of the rondo and the ball was being fizzed into him super quick. And he would just calmly always make the right decision, never got tackled. And I was just saying to people in the group chat, I was like, who is this kid? I've never seen him before. Who is this kid? And I thought it was the right back, Connor Bradley, who we sent out on loan. But it turned out it was Tyler Morton. And from then, I've known this kid can play football. And I think the steps that he took last season were really, really good. I'm really, really hoping that he has a part to play this season. I want to see him play FA Cup games, League Cup games. However many minutes you can give him with the five subs rule, I want to see Tyler Morton play. Because I, I, I think he's just a really naturally gifted midfield player in the mould of Thiago, who just loves to play football. I keep saying it on my account, watch LSC. I think he's got... Je ne sais quoi. You know, I think he's got this thing about him that undefinable quality. He's just quality player, I think. And I'm really excited to see him. And just to cap it off, because I always talk too much, but I think Fabio Carvalho is just what a signing. Just what a signing for free as well. I think the thing about him is, I can definitely tell when there was all of this talk about Coutinho needs to find a new team, uh, Liverpool might be interested in bringing him back. I'm 100% sure Julian Ward and Michael Edwards sat down around the table. They were like, we could sign Coutinho. He could definitely add something to our team. He's definitely still got talent, ability. But do we really want to pay, you know, 140000 a week in his wages that he's, you know, become accustomed to at Barcelona? Do we really want to pay, you know, this big fee for him? Or is there another player that we can sign who can definitely do the same job as Coutinho, but, you know, we can we can pay him a basically starting out fresh salary and he isn't going to cost us anything. And Fabio Carvalho came out and, like, he's just ticking every single box for me at the moment. I think he's got it. I said it on Watch LSE. Like, he's got that quality about him that, you know, you just know he's a good player. Um, he's got the flair about him, the South American flair. Um, even sorry, he's Portuguese, but he's got that South American flair, anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw a video of him the other day posted by Watch LSE, not Watch uh, LSE. He was literally just in a warm up before the Crystal Palace game, just doing round the worlds on both foot. So he's just doing a kick up, doing a round the world on one foot, doing a kick up, doing a round the world on the other one, didn't let the ball touch the ground for like a good 20 seconds, just doing a round the world on both legs. 
And I was just thinking, like, what the hell? Like, you just signed him for free. <laughs> like, literally, I'm so, so eager to see how he plays. And big shout from me here, just to cap it off. I think he could have an impact for this Liverpool team, similar to the impact that Pedri had at Barcelona last season, where he's this young player who's just come into the team and has no fear and just shows his quality and basically becomes a starter, becomes an important player in the team out of just 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 being a breath of fresh air. So really excited to see Fabio Carvalho for sure. I've got lots to say about that. Firstly, you don't talk too much. It's absolutely lovely to hear hear all of your views and everyone could take take their time here to say exactly what they want to say. It's an absolutely wonderful answer. Thank you very much. Yeah, I get the same feeling about Fabio Carvalho. You can forget price tags, as Klopp has been saying. You know, forget about Nunez's price tag. He's just one of the boys now. He's just one of the family. And uh, we should just be thankful that we've got another player who can help us. There's that. Um, there have been some great comments coming in. Um, you know, Bobby needed a rest, Gary's saying. He, he, he's looked refreshed and ready to go. Yeah, Bobby Firmino's been a great... I mean, I love the guy. I, I really hope we, we tie him down to a new deal. I, I the I can't believe on other podcasts the amount of grief that Bobby gets. People are saying he's definitely not the player he was two or three years ago. I think in some ways he's better. He's had a good rest. I think he's 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 back to his his best. Um, you know, he's never been a goal scorer for us. In the ninety nine point season, he got nine goals. Uh, um, but what he gives to our team, I mean, I watched the highlights of, of uh, Liverpool 5, Manchester United nil, and um, Bobby was absolutely sensational. Uh, but anyway, going back to this this preseason, there have been some great names. Tom Hill, Alan said Tom Hill after two years out injured. It's been absolutely brilliant to see him back. There are loads of great comments. Gary saying Isaac Mabaya as well and Elliot. Very exciting to watch. Uh, Nigel, what about you? Your 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 preseason positives, Fabio Carvalho as well. Absolutely, been unbelievable. Um, when when Diaz came in first, and we saw this coming running in, and the two cup finals, like he was man of the match in the, in the FA Cup final, and he was just sensational. And we were watching this young kid in both games, even the United game and the, the Palace game, doing the same thing. Just that kind of you know effectiveness. From out wide, like completely unpredictable. Two guys who are completely unpredictable to play like that. And like then Carvalho has that, but then he has the continual thing in him as well where he can pick a pass through the lines, which could be very important in this breaking down, you know, a, possi a possibility. I, I don't think he'll, he'll start, but he might become more important as the season goes on as a kind of a, a line breaker, so to speak. If they're going to sit back and play a low block, bring him on and get people to time the runs across the, across the defence and he might break him up. Um, just an interesting one about Isaac Mabea is that he's a converted midfield player. He was only converted to playing right back. He's not actual natural right back. Another trend, um, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's I didn't know that, but yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, he is. He's a converted midfield player. Um, all these young lads. Tom Hill coming back after two years was great the other day. It was fantastic to see him coming on. Um, I remember him coming through there. I used to watch some of the games and I remember him getting the bad injury. I didn't know it had been two years he'd been out. Um, guys like Bobby Clark. You remember, I, I don't know how many of you would have are, are old enough to have seen Lee Clark playing his dad for Newcastle. Oh yeah, I remember Lee Clark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Lee Clark was a good player. player actually. Yes, good, absolutely, yeah. he was. He was. Well, Bobby is his son, and he's he's a, he looks a good player as well. Um, there's some very very good young lads there. Um, Stefan Bacetich or whatever the pronunciation might need a bit of work, but yeah, he looks another player. Um, 
these guys don't look out of place. You know, that's that's the thing. That's a, a, a major plus for us in pre-season, that these young guys who are coming through the ranks don't look out of place and could step in and do a job, maybe long-term. Tyler Morton has done. You know, it, it's it's a good thing, I think. That's the yeah, that's it. Absolutely. I mean, Gary Gillespie was saying the same thing in LFC TV commentary the other day. It's just, you know, the testament to the to the academy and how the the vision of 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 Klopp and how how Liverpool should set up in every game it goes in every level of the club so that when um you know youngsters do get promoted they know exactly what to do in terms of you know the pressing the counter pressing um how to play you know in the in the triangles and the part, the quick passing um it's just it's just great to see that players stepping in and and performing uh, with the same philosophy the same idea yeah absolutely um jack what about you is there, are there more things that we haven't mentioned or or you want to you know go over some of the points that have already been covered yeah just a quick one and obviously in the on the training facility as you mentioned there lots of the youngsters I think that was one of the main reasons why Jürgen Klopp wants to move up, up to Kirby ways anyway. Obviously, the, the philosophy since Jürgen Klopp, the first couple of meetings he had with the whole hierarchy of all the academy managers and everything, he, obviously the blueprints, he wanted the way in which he wanted the players to play. But yeah, um, and and a massive one, I think Nigel said that in, in relation to obviously Henderson running into the box and the edge of the box, I'm hoping we do see that a bit more, because um, obviously we all watched that Tottenham game back end of the season. When teams do sit low block, I like that little goal. I know it's a pre-season goal a game, a game, but it, that's repetition, really. I think that was a training ground exercise that paid off, and hopefully that does pay off in the season, where Henson arrives late in the box. He can do that. I think he gets the odd one or two couple of goals throughout the season, but if he can add that to his game, I think goals from midfield, as we spoke about last week or the week before, mate, on the podcast, that's what we need. And and really, Salah getting his goal. A lot of, I think we all know the players around world football that would have happily took an extra week off on holiday and not trained and come on pre-season, but he signed his new deal, come over to Malaysia and, and Singapore seeing the thousands and millions of fans uh, as well or and it says a lot about Salah and 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 his little his little poke to Henderson on social media his little grace as well Salah wearing the captain's armband on his Instagram I think it was yesterday um after the game and he's tagged Henderson in the post with Salah <laughs> wearing the armband he's like that's mine though but yes um I'd like to see Henderson score a bit more goals like that he can do it arriving late into the box. I think sometimes he's a bit more he's got a bit more defensive work in terms of Trent bombing on, but um if Fabinho can fill in those pockets of space this season, um it's a massive aspect of Henderson's game that I think we've seen in the early years at Sunderland. I think yeah, you could probably say his, his legs aren't the same, but he's still got that technical ability. He always scores a worldie against Chelsea, doesn't he? So he's got it in his locker. I uh, just wish he wouldn't do it, do it more often, but he can do that. Uh, just like a, just little moments like that. I know it's pre-season, but it was a proper training ground exercise, and I was made up to see Henderson score. Yeah. It was a lovely assist from uh, from from Young Harvey as well, and uh, some more great comments coming in. Thanks, guys. Alan's talking about, and a couple of people are talking about the five st- subs. You know that how that's going to affect things going forward, and and we'll have you know these. 
you know more opportunities for for everybody really to make to make an effort uh, sorry to make an impact off the bench and that's uh that's a, it's very true the five sub thing we'll, we'll see how it all um affects things going forward but i think it could be very good for for teams with deep squads like uh city like liverpool um i think it could be an advantage for us i, re I really could um speaking of uh, other clubs i mean okay manchester city uh they've they've since our last podcast they've sold raheem sterling uh, i want to talk about just general the summer transfers in general around the grounds chelsea have been quite interesting abdul they've, they've been signing uh players left right and center koulibaly raheem sterling um anything you want to say about chelsea or about any other summer transfer uh i could say a lot about um what's been going on in the Premier League. I think it's interesting that, uh, I think there's an article here, I can't remember who wrote it, but we're starting to see the top clubs in England basically sell to each other. And that's kind of happening for a couple of reasons, but mainly because the wages in the Premier League are so good that these players don't really want to go to another team in a different league. Um, and yeah, like these players, I think Raheem Sterling, Gabriel Jesus going to Arsenal, um, uh, Nathan Aki is rumoured to be leaving, Zinchenko is rumoured to be leaving. It's mainly like they, they're quality players, but Pep Guardiola is just a weirdo and doesn't really play players consistently. And they want to go to a team where they can play consistently. So I think it's not like oh, Chelsea have signed Man City's leftovers or Arsenal have signed Man City's leftovers. I think these are real bona fide proper signings where if you look at the market for that player, let's say Gabriel Jesus, can you really find another player, number nine, who's going to come into the Arsenal team and have a, a better impact than Gabriel Jesus? He's already flying in preseason for them. I think he's a great player in general. I think he's going to take their ceiling much higher. Um, and the same thing with Raheem Sterling going to Chelsea. I think that's a top, top signing for them. Um, if Zinchenko gets to move to Arsenal, I think that'd be a top, top signing for them again. Um, so, yeah, it's like really interesting on the Man City front what they're doing. They look really weird as well because, you know, they've let go of Sterling. Um, they're po possibly about to get rid of uh, Bernardo Silva. And it's like, you guys need to be trying to push to win the Champions League, but you're just so comfortable to let go of these players who are really actually quite key players for you. So uh, it's really weird to see, but interesting as well. But my overall prediction for the Premier League for this next season is I think that the top five in the league are going to, the competition between them is going to be a bit more tighter than it has been. I don't think it's going to be Liverpool and Man City and then the rest, like it has kind of been these last few years. I think Chelsea have a really good team. I think Arsenal have a really good team. And I think Spurs have a really good team now as well. They're spending a lot of money. So I think the top competition between the top five is going to be a bit tighter. And I think the top five as a unit are going to pull away from the rest of the league. I think we've had our seasons of Brighton and Wolves and um, Leeds when they came up in the first season. And all of these kind of competitor teams doing a, a bit of a madness. I think we're going to start to see a really clearly defined top five maybe a top six if Ten Hag hits the ground running. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, it's an interesting window. And, uh, oh, little tidbit from me. In, in my job, uh, my new job, uh, I got to go to this um, uh, this masterclass of the football industry a couple of weeks ago. And they had all of these big agents. And there's this one agent called Simon Bailiff from, he's a CEO of an agency called Arete. Um, he, he used to work for David Beckham, Michael Owen, a few big names. He now works for Ollie Skip. That's the name that he kept dropping. I don't know why. I think Ollie Skip has seen to be some kind of really big talent coming through. I guess. He's supposed to be, yeah. It's a yeah. funny thing because you wouldn't think so. But yeah, apparently he's 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 a big talent. But sorry, yeah. carry on. Maybe that's all Simon's work. Maybe that's all Simon getting his name out. But um, 
yeah, I've never really noticed him. But yeah, I, I think I have noticed him a bit, but not like, oh, he's a massive talent. But um, yeah, this Simon guy, he basically said, this summer, uh, there's going to be a lot of money spent because teams have been hoarding money, he said, during the pandemic. And this is going to be the first summer where they're really willing to um, let the checkbook fly. And uh, he's, he's, he's basically alluding that there's towards the end of the window, there might be like a few big signings which open up the market and then clubs are just going to spend like crazy. So that's something to watch out for. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen with Liverpool, but really, really interesting time again in the Premier League. I don't think it's ever not an interesting time, but yeah, this summer is really interesting. <laughs> It is though. It is. There's there's all kinds of things going on. I th- I think it's very interesting. Manchester City have been very interesting. Yeah, letting all these players go. Of course, Fernandinho's finished for them as well. And bringing in Kelvin Phillips. I think like like Rafinha and all the Leeds players. I think the Bielsa burnout is a real thing, and I think that that he's looked you know very tired. <laughs> as Rafinha has. So I'm not sure I'm not sure about how good he, he is compared to two years ago, Kelvin Phillips, who's a lot more effective, I think. But um but I mean he's still a good player. But yeah, hopefully City have been weakened by um losing Gabriel Jesus, who's only twenty five. I just looked it up. He's he was he turned twenty five in April. Um so that's uh that's uh, yeah, interesting. And then Chelsea, yeah, they they're still going to buy some more players. They still need some defenders and things. But uh, they've they've done very well so far. Um, there's a question in the chat from uh, Diego C. Palace. He says, "Do you all feel Klopp has been supported sufficiently in the transfer window to fill in the Sadio Mane role?" Um, I would say that we've already uh, filled it with with Darwin Nunes. What do you think about that? Nigel, do you think we we need to sign someone else, or or that that has been you know it, to fill in the Sadio Sadio Mane gap, um, or um, or what? What do you think? No, I I think he's made his. I think he's that that's his 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 filler basically. Uh, I'm going to give you two little phrases to to kind of give a, an outline of summer transfer. You got finished article versus potential. I think. We've signed two guys who potentially could be massive, Fabio Carvalho and Darwin Nunes. While Manchester City are signing, uh, Manchester City or sorry, Chelsea are signing Sterling. They're signing whoever else. Um, like United are signing Christian Eriksen, and I'm not sure about the other guy. Um, well, Martinez is it? Uh, yeah, Ty- Tyrell Malasia. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, he'd be a little bit more potential as well, I suppose. But we seem to be more interested in not uh, in not signing kind of big names. The Coutinho thing in the previous chat being an example of that, that we try to sign guys who Klopp can develop as opposed to signing players who are already developed and are kind of at top of their game, say, we'll say Sterling, for example. don't really think he's a top player, but, you know, the Liverpool fans' thoughts on Raheem Sterling. But anyway, other players as well. Um, he's on about signing, like, they're on about Gabriel Jesus, we'll say as well. You know, he would be, I know he's 25, but he'd still be, Supposedly classed as kind of finished article as compared to Fabio Carvalho. It's it's just I, I think we just have a slightly different take on transfers. You will not see us signing kind of well, with the exception possibly of Thiago, who is a complete no-brainer because of he's so talented. A finished article. Interesting one on that, Nigel. Just quickly, yes. Do you think it? Okay. Do you think it ever pisses off at other clubs? Because I was just thinking, I would be so pissed off if I was like a Man United sporting director, and I'm just thinking, ah, oh, need to get Man United back. Let me sign Frankie De Jong. Let me sign this proven player. Let me sign Rafa Van Aan. And then <laughs> you look over Nunes. at Liverpool, it's just like, yeah, Darwin Nunes, like Fabio Carvalho, who are they? Like, yeah. why are Liverpool always making these wacky transfers? Just sign someone normal. Do you think it pisses other clubs off? 
Um, possibly, but I, I think um, I think Abdul, it's um, the more that, that we have a, a liaison between Klopp and the sporting directors. I'm not so sure. Now, Ten Hag might be different, but I, I think these, like, I don't think Tuchel is a guy who say, I need to sign this young player and so I can develop him. Klopp or uh, Guardiola definitely doesn't. Sign me the big name. Who's the big name at the moment? Sign me him. I want him. But you don't know what he. You don't even know what he looks like. Sign him anyway. He's scoring two goals. Here's four hundred million. Um, you know that kind of thing. I, I think our backroom staff and our our um, what's the word? Oh God. Uh, our, our scouting our, department transfer. Well, scout, well, no, it's, yeah, scouting the transfer committee, scouting department. But does it uh, like doing your due diligence? Basically, that's what I was looking for. Doing your due diligence on transfers. And identifying what you might need in a player, seeing as there are young players out there who might possibly be able to develop into what you might think in two years, three years down the line, and then getting it. I think there's too many teams who kind of just dive in after the flavour of the month. Like, I mean, I love Christian Eriksen as a player, but super player, but I don't think he would have ended up at United if what hadn't happened in the, the World Cup a couple of years ago or the European Championships last year would have happened. I think he'd still be at Spurs. Um, terrible, unfortunate what happened. He probably wouldn't have ended up at Brentford, apart from the big Danish um, contingent there. I thought that, uh, I, I, I don't know, I, I, I'm not sure about it. Excellent player, but I'm just not sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, interesting. And, and you know, he's, he's as uh, Abdul was saying, I mean, you know, the, the established player like Christian Eriksen, you know what you're getting. He's a really good player. Oh, yeah. And, Super of player. course, you know, we wish him all the best, United or not, you know, because, uh, you know, fo- <laughs> football's not as important as life or death. We all know that. Um, great question in uh, from from Liz in the chat. Hello, Liz. Um, you're very welcome. She says, uh, Jack, do you think our transfer team is the best in the business? Hundred percent. And obviously, uh, what Abdul and Nigel had the nail on the head in terms of Jurgen Klopp when he was speaking about the the whole of the Premier League panicking and reacting. Conte, he he doesn't tend to stay longer clubs. He always ends up arguing with the chief executive or the the, the owners or something. Tom Stuchel was quite similar. Um, it's only a matter of time when that car crash does happen at Chelsea. <clears throat> There's a lot of pressure with all that money being spent. <clears throat> but Jürgen Klopp, he, he goes well with FSG and that's that ruffles a couple of feathers on social media as well. It's not in Jürgen Klopp's demeanour really it's not in his coaching philosophy to go out and do a do a Paris Saint-Germain spend on yes we'll spend big on players if it's the right player and next year will be massive obviously we don't have Virgil van Dijk we don't know with Allison, but we got the Coutinho money but even that to an extent and similar with Thiago as well as Nigel said we broke the mould I think Jürgen Klopp is not afraid to break the mould on the right player um, similar with Pep Guardiola, Tuchel as well, and the top coaches around Europe. But yeah, we have Liz, and I grew up, I think a lot of my fans my age as well, we watch Manchester United do it season after season after season. The recruitments, even like a, a player like Parchi Sung coming to Manchester United, he's not like a big player, but Ferguson made him work. And, and Jürgen Klopp's very similar. He brings in not household names as we know, but he makes them into world superstars. And Ferguson was so good at doing that. Um, as much as we dislike him, but he was a great, one of the greatest managers 
But Jürgen Klopp is doing so well um, in terms of the recruitment and the strategy. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited. And Jürgen Klopp is our best signing. And I understand that it's social media is hard back to what we said at the top of the show. It, it people like it disgruntles people when Jürgen. Um, and obviously, everyone got to the comments out. Everyone's like, oh, Jürgen Klopp says he doesn't spend 100 million. But yeah, it's times have changed and football is a very evolving. Like in 92, when Sky Sports come in, like there's so much more money into the game, of course. That you look at the, the price tag of Richarlison. 50 million for Richardson. Come on, Spears. <laughs> you could have got a better transfer than Richardson for 50 mil. <laughs> didn't, didn't he go to Everton for 50 million in the, in the first place? Yeah, yeah I, I think so. Sort of mad as well, but yeah. it's crazy. But uh, happy days. Jürgen Klopp. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be signing, as Abdul said, we'll be signing these little gems here and there. Andy Robbo was, what, 8, 10 million, 12 million? And uh, Twitter wrote him off before he even kicked the bloody ball. So, yeah, <laughs> not too bad, is he? Yeah. Andy Robb will cost not. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Kev Stewart as well. You want to do Kev exactly. Stewart, yeah. It was eight million. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Swap deal with Kevin Stewart. Uh, absolutely wonderful. What what business we've done. It's, it's beautiful to look back at what we've done and to look forward. Um, Gary's asked a question. Maybe with this, uh, this will be the last question. Um, uh panel who will be the MVP for Liverpool on the pitch so who's going to be our most valuable player I, I, I just to answer that first just to give you my my opinion I mean it's between three four it's been between four players for me Alisson Virgil Fabinho and Mo Salah um, and I'm gonna say uh, I think yeah I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Fabinho oddly because I think Fabinho needs to be injury free because if Fabinho gets injured, I don't think we have cover uh, for him. Uh, I think Henderson can play the six, but if you look at a lot of the games, I, I, I looked at, back at highlights of a lot of the games that we drew or lost last season and Henderson was playing at six in most of them. And it's like, he's really good for 85 minutes or 89 minutes but then for one minute of the match he's like his positioning leaves huge gaps for other teams to exploit uh where that never happens with Fabinho and um so yeah I think Fabinho to stay fit will be the most important thing for Liverpool this season um you could argue Tiago as well, but uh, I don't know. It's a very good question. What what, what do you think, uh, Nigel? I, I think that um, I'm not going to pick an individual. I think we're a team, and the lads will say that. You look at Salah, um, they're all on about, oh, Mo, you've got golden, golden boot again for the third time in five years, and he'll just say, I'm part of the team, I'll do my bit for the team. That's the attitude I want within Liverpool. I, I don't think we... Our lads, I'm not going to pick out a player because I just want everybody working as a team. You want all the lads staying fit, of course. And well, yes, but if you, if you have to, if you have if to, I have you've to. got a, if meta, I have a metaphorical to. gun to your head, not a real one. We're pacifists uh, here. On all right. On. Yeah, okay. Um, has to be Salah. It just has to be. He's he's the one, he's, the, he's our main focal point. Uh, I think it'll help. He'll take, he might take pressure off Darwin Nunes. If Darwin can get a few goals... And Mo gets Mo starts scoring, and Darwin starts scoring. Everyone will be still looking at Mo. 
creates a little bit more space on the other side for Diaz and Carvalho as well. So I just think Mo is our focal point and I'm sticking with that. Yeah, I mean, it's a very reasonable answer. Mo Salah has been unbelievable. I just think that if he were to get injured, I do think we've got enough firepower in reserve with 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 Luis Diaz, with with Darwin, Bobby, Jota, Fabio Carvalho, Harvey Elliott. I think we can score goals as long as we, you know, we just need to score one 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 goal because our defence can keep a clean sheet. I don't know. What do you think, Abdul? Sorry, I didn't actually quite catch that. Was you talking to me? No, no, it's okay. It's just, it's just this question: who do who do you think our MVP will be this season? Um, great question. Your definition of MVP, I realise, Owen, you're saying most valuable player. Uh, yes, so uh, think... not uh, most velveteen um, <laughs> penguin. I don't know. But there's there's two ways you can interpret that. You can interpret that as in the way that you've gone, as in if we lose that player, that's going to affect us the most. Or you can interpret it in a positive way where it's like, who is going to make the most impact uh, for our team going forward? I guess it's pretty much the same way. But basically, I think you can't really overlook Trent. I think I think Trent is, is pretty much our most valuable player on the pitch. I think... And I also think with the whole World Cup thing, he's going to literally be gunning for that right-back position for the England team. Um... And just from what I've seen of him in preseason, I, I had to power a tweet. I think he looks really quick this preseason. I feel like he's got a sprint coach and he's, he's he's trying to work on his recovery pace just to somehow maybe show to Southgate that, you know, you don't maybe need to play Kyle Walker there. But um, I feel like every season, Trent is always looking to make a step forward, um, waiting for the day that Henderson shows a bit of a chink in his armour so that he can say, this is my team now. Give me the captain's armband. So... I really think that Trent, with Darwin in the team, he's going to bag a ton of assists. And I think he wants to uh, make a big push for the World Cup team by November. So, yeah, I think Trent. Great answer. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean, when Trent plays well, Liverpool often win. I mean, that's uh, Liverpool always win, it seems. Um, Jack, what do you reckon? Our MVP this season? I was wanting to go Diaz, because once he actually learns a bit of scouse, um... <laughs> He, he understands a bit more of the tactics. He'll, he, he only had like what, a couple of months in January. He was torturing defences anyway on his own. But I'm going to go Van Dyke. A fully fit Van Dyke can win a league on his own, I think. like Obviously, he only plays in it, but Virgil can be that good on his day or with, within a season. And I'm hoping we do see the best Virgil Van Dyke that we've ever seen this season because. <clears throat> we've seen over the past when we when we won the league as well. He's he's so imperious as well, and even obviously Alison Becker. But I'm gonna go Virgil because I think if we're scoring goals and we just shut out, like hopefully the back line does a job. But I think Virgil, um, I'm hoping he gets a proper full preseason under his belt now as well. And and uh, yeah, I'm gonna go Virgil, mate. He's he's so special. It's bloody blessed to have him, as we all know anyway. But it's a bloody colossal, that man. <laughs> it's crazy how good he is. <laughs> it's crazy. And it was very interesting to, to, to hear the on the Anfield rap an interview with him where I think it was John Gibbons who was asking him about, you know, how, how great it was that he came back last season. And Virgil was being quite, you know, self-deprecating and saying that, you know, he, he didn't find his rhythm for a while. It took him a while to get back. And I remember it, it wasn't until January for me where 
I could look at Virgil and say, yeah, that's the old Virgil back. You know, it, it took a while. I could I could see it as well. He, he just a little bit rusty, a little bit unsure of himself. But he, now, yes, he is back. And yes, the a colossus at the back. Um, he's, you know, like a demigod. He's an unbelievable player. So, yeah, it's a great answer as well. Uh, Liz in the chat says, Diaz Nunes Salah is going to be fun to watch this season. Yes, it is, Liz. Uh, it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, Gary in the chat says, Liverpool will win the title. Let's hope so. Alan reckons Thiago is going to be our MVP this season. I mean, we're just blessed, as Nigel said at the top of this, uh, you know, to answer this question. It's a team game. And... Um, as Jack was saying as well, we, we are absolutely spoiled because if you think about how much fun it is watching, you know, choose a position, you know, if you just watch how Alisson plays the game, if you just watch Andy Robbo, if you just watch uh, any of any of our players or any of our substitutes, even how they play. It's just joyful. It's just joyful. So we're lucky. We're still enjoying it. We're still not taking anything for granted. Um, I want to thank my guests so much for being here and everybody in the chat and everybody listening, whoever you are, wherever you are. Um, uh, it's been really interesting, really great speaking to you all. And, you know, um, at Cop on Podcast on Twitter, um, you know, patreon.com forward slash Cop on Podcast if you want to chuck us any... Uh, you know, sponsorship, that would be really nice, but it's, you know, it's up to you. Otherwise, it's it's always going to be free, always going to be ad-free. Uh, follow Abdul at watch underscore LFC on Twitter. Absolutely fabulous account. Um, Jack, remind me of, is it at Jack Mac TV? Yeah, Mckindo M-C-I-N-D-O-E. Uh, yeah, thank you, Owen, for having me on, Miss. Great to speak to lads again. Thank you. Yeah, thanks very much, guys. And thanks to Nigel as well. Let's go kill Kenny for the hurling today. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thanks to everybody. So you'll never walk alone. Take care. And we'll see you, see you very soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.